This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 46. I'm Kenyon Clark. Today, we're going to be talking about access to your stands, uh, entry and exit. There's an article in North American Whitetail, the latest edition by John Kirby called Tactical Access. And I thought it'd be a good thing to talk about, especially since some guys are still setting up stands. I've actually got a few to move still myself. And when you're placing your stand, this one thing you got to think about is how you're going to get there and how you're going to get out. And there's a lot of factors that go into that and can change those routes depending on time of year, time of day, what your buck's doing, if you've bumped them, if you haven't, all that kind of stuff. So it's something that I think gets overlooked a lot, especially talking to clients on consultations. Um, not a good, I don't want to say a lot of guys don't think about it, but it seems to be a recurring thing that, uh, Entry and exit routes often get overlooked, So, and the importance of them. If you're going to consistently kill big bucks, you have to be smart getting in and getting out. And that's something we're talking about here. So, you know, we talked about it before. Everybody can go in and kill one one time or kill a big buck once every three or four years if they're in good on a good property. But if you want to do it consistently, this is the kind of stuff that you got to pay attention to. Um, and maybe some guys get lucky and still do it consistently, or there are some different strategies out there and different trains of thought, and the type of deer will have a lot to do with that as well. So anyway, this is just something that I try to be mindful of, and I know a lot of guys who are successful be are mindful of as well. So like I said, the article is called Ta- Tactical Access by John Kirby. Um, and he starts, on more than one occasion, I've dreamt of building underground tunnels leading to and from my potential stand locations. Once in the tree stand, I imagine myself with an invisibility cloak that will also eliminate human odor. And voila, I would be undetectable by deer. Sounds a bit unrealistic, right? Well, so is consistently killing mature bucks without extremely strategic entry and exit routes. So that's exactly what we're just talking about. Regardless of where you hunt in the country on public land or private ground, entry and exit routes are crucial if a mature buck is on the menu. I've had some grizzled archery hunters advise me to kill a buck fast or he will know he's being hunted, and if I don't arrow a buck on my first sit, my chances will dwindle after each attempt. There are plenty of cliches like this, and rightfully so, as they bring attention to some common mistakes made when accessing hunting spots. With poor entry and exit routes, hunting is more difficult after the first hunt, and you could possibly ruin your chances if you bump your target buck as you enter your hunting area. Conversely, with well-planned and precisely executed entry and exit routes, you may get more chances to tag your target buck. So, I've heard it before, a lot of guys will say it, like, uh, the first time out is the best time to kill a buck, and while that can be true at times, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be. So if you're careful about when you're getting in and getting out, if they don't know you're there then it's basically like the first time every time until you get busted or you shoot that buck. Um, as long as you're being smart about getting in and getting out, you have that first time over and over and over. And if you're careful about that, like he said, you give yourself a better chance even because you can get out there and see what he's doing, maybe an adjustment you need to make um, when he's being active, that kind of stuff. You can kind of get an idea of his personality, for lack of a better word, whether he's a buck that can be called at or where you just got to wait for him to come to you, uh, where he's check- when he's checking does, if he's starting to be show some rut activity, that kind of stuff. So the more you can get out there without being detected, the better chance you're going to have, in my mind. So it's not just that first time. It's more about being careful and uh, not letting them know you're there. So this is why be so careful. 
I strongly believe in the importance of entry and exit routes for many reasons. But let's start with a deer's 300 million olfactory receptors making their nose a great making their nose great at detecting danger. In addition, every step a hunter takes deposits human scent on the ground which deer can detect a handful of days later. Smart deer, especially mature bucks, don't get smart by ignoring a hunter's scent. Hunters, including me, also spook mature bucks in other ways. A lot of deer are spooked by sound. The audible factor certainly comes into play here, especially when sneaking. Spooking does and young bucks can often have a domino effect on the entire herd. The visual factor is another frequently overlooked component. Quite a few wary bucks made that way by heavy hunting pressure, predators, and general encroachment survive by almost exclusively relying on seeing the approaching threat, trading their wind advantage for the ability to see hunters on the predictable approach. All this emphasizes the multifaceted issue of how you enter and exit the woods. To throw more fuel on the fire, entering and exiting are even more complex when a deer has a pattern shift. If hunters yearn for multiple attempts at a target buck, they must tread carefully. Indeed, all hunters must do some out-of-the-box thinking when clocking in and out of the woods and deer stands. So, he's just kind of outlining why it's so important there. I talk about it a lot, especially with guys when we're talking about our scent and stuff. Um, just for example, some of the rich hunter scents that we do, you can open up a bottle of that stuff and it doesn't really have a smell, much of a smell to it at all. And other stuff will about knock you down. So you got to remember, though, that like he said, the deer smell thousands of times better than humans do. So and they can even smell human scent, you know, a few days later after you've already been through there. Uh, that's part of how they survive. That's how they communicate with each other. So you got to keep that in mind. That's one of the big ones. Um, one of the biggest things that we'll see when guys have poor entry or exit routes is, say, on the way in they're blowing their wind over a bedding area or on the way out, they're blowing their wind over a feeding area like in the evening. So depending on where their stands at, um, they may have issues with either one of those, but it's like we only think about it when we get to the stand. Okay. My wind's good. Like I can hunt this stand on a Southeast wind because where I'm sitting at, it's perfect. The deer are going to come out in front of me on the upwind side or whatever, but maybe you walked in, on the wrong side of a bedding area before you got to that stand with a good wind and you blew all your scent all over the bedding area and that buck's already gone and you're never going to see them. Maybe you see a couple of those that decided to hang around for whatever reason. But the mature bucks, like he said, they don't get mature by being dumb. So they don't ignore that stuff too often. Um, one way you might get away with it, there are some guys that will purposely spook deer out of their beds. Um, it is a strategy. If they see you first, or if they think they see you first, and they won that particular uh, encounter, then they might come back and bed in that same spot, but they're still going to be more wary the next time. So you got to be careful going in and out. Um, like he said, the vision and the hearing are a big thing too. Um, deer see better than we do, and they hear better than we do. And when I say they see better than we do, there are some aspects where we can see better than them, but obviously they can see in the dark, and then... Whereas we'll focus on a single spot, like anywhere you look, if you look around, you can only focus on one particular point. Well, the deer's whole field of view is like that. And obviously they're prey animals, so their eyes are on the side of their head, so they have a lot bigger picture to see as well. So they're focused on everything, which is why movement is so important, especially in the stand, but on the way in and out too. If you're uh, walking past there where they can see you and you don't have good screening cover, anything like that or concealment, 
they're going to be able to see you. And especially if they've seen hunters before, they're not going to hang around and, and wait to see what happens. So that's a big one. And then the hearing, um, making a lot of noise. So there's some natural noise you can get away with because obviously deer make noise walking through the woods. So whether you're, if you're, you know, just stepping on leaves and stuff, as long as it's not too crazy, they're probably just going to ignore that. Obviously there's squirrels and raccoons and everything else out in the woods that make a noise too, but it's those unnatural sounds. Like, uh, if you're coughing, sneezing, talking on the phone, if your phone rings, uh, metal on metal is a big one. So like if you're climbing up into your stand and your bow is clanging on the ladder, um, if you got your your range finder on your chest and it's hitting the D ring on your uh, on your safety harness, those are noises that is going to pique the deer's interest, and then they're going to pinpoint where you're at, and then they might see you or they might smell you. Uh, they may not. They may just decide that's enough, especially if they've heard something like that before and then figured out what it was later. They're not going to hang around in that instance either. So. Those are some of the reasons why you have to be careful, which seems pretty obvious, but it still gets overlooked so much. So he uh, goes into a couple stories that I won't get into. If you guys want to, you can pick up this uh, North American Whitetail. It is the August 2022 full draw issue. Um, There's a lot of good stuff in here. We'll probably pull some more articles out of it. But if you want to read the whole article that he puts in here, you can get pick it up and read that. But he closes with some final tips, he says. Um, he's talking about those hunts. He says, for those hunts, I found it crucial to pick my routes with care. There's a quiver full of reasons why careful selection of entry and exit routes is important, as we just talked about. And there are many variables requiring us to rethink and replan our path, depending largely on deer patterns at the time. Early season hunters who predominantly hunt afternoons have different challenges than someone hunting on the late season morning. So in that instance, if you're early season hunting the afternoon, you're not really going to be want going to want to exit through that destination food source. You might be able to come in on it because the deer aren't going to be out there feeding. But if you don't have a way to get out to get past those deer uh, when they come out in that field, if they don't make it to your stand where you can shoot them and they're still hanging around, they're going to be there well after dark. You got to get out of there without spooking them all off the field. Because if you do that, it just takes one time of that for that smart buck to figure that out and never come back again. So. Um, that's something to think about on that first example he gives like the early season and then like the late season mornings it's almost a similar thing so you don't want to be walking through where they're coming back from that feed field because they're going to be out there feeding a little later coming back later in the morning uh, and you don't want to walk through that feed field when they're all out there to enter your stand you may be able to exit through that conversely to the early season hunt but you don't want to enter through that large destination food source so those are a couple things he's talking about there um And that could mean opposite and entry exit routes, he continues here, but not always. It's paramount to stay on top of what your target bucks and other deer are doing, where they are feeding, bedding, traveling, etc. It's the only reliable way you'll have the ability and confidence to pick the correct entry and exit route. Hunters can do some things to make entry and exit easier if they own land or have permission to make habitat improvements. For example, hunters can use food plot screens to facilitate, facilitate entry and exit uh, barns, old farm implements, machinery, transition or irrigation dishes, burn piles, and many other items can be prov- can provide security for sneaking past deer. Some properties with minimal road frontage or other access points are challenging to hunt, even if they hold trophy class animals. This is when you will have to get super creative in ascending 
your stands. Accessing, sorry. Accessing your stands. Other farms with excellent access points should still be accessed with care and thought. Public land is no exception to the importance of access because nothing can ruin an opportunity at a mature whitetail like spooking him on your way in or out. Unfortunately, easy strolls to ambush points are rarely the way to kill a mature buck. So get out, scout, and plan those access routes. So, like I said, this time of year, if you're putting your stands up, we're getting, especially like if you're in Missouri, Kentucky season's already started. You're kind of a little getting a little late on that. I think Missouri starts in three days on the 15th. We still here in Illinois have 18 days to go till opening day, October 1st. So just over a couple of weeks, so we get plenty of time to still get your stand set and give those deer enough time to get used to whatever changes you might have made in there. But make sure you're planning on how you're going to get there and how you're going to get out. Maybe you have a great spot. Uh, like we talked about this with Nate a little bit on a couple other episodes. There's a spot he'd really like to get into and could kill deer out of it. Number one, there's not a lot of good places to sit once you get back there. But even if there was the perfect tree in the perfect spot, there's just no good way to get to the spot in or out. So those are some spots you're just going to have to give up to the deer and hunt the edges of those. Because, it, like I said, it may be a great spot, but if you can't get in there or get out of there without spooking deer, then you've already ruined your hunt before it's really even started. Um, and you're limiting your chances. So if if you can get in there without spooking deer, but you can't get out without spooking them, then if you don't kill them on that first time, the that old cliche holds true that that was your best chance because uh, you spooked them on the way out. So you got to remember that as well. A lot of things like he's talking about go into it, not just um, like your cover and screening. Time of year makes a difference, like we talked about early season and late winter. Um, the rut's kind of a wild card, so deer moving all day long, it's going to be tough. Uh, just got to kind of be smart about it. One thing I do like that he added in there is if you do have the ability to do some habitat improvements, we really like switchgrass. Um, even that barricade by uh, Antler King, I believe Whitetail Institute makes it conceal. There's a lot of different options out there. Um, Egyptian wheat, a lot of guys like to use that. Um, some guys are using miscanthus now. There's a lot of different opinions on all that stuff, but whatever you decide to use for screening, that can be really good. Uh, I prefer switchgrass. Obviously, it takes a couple years, maybe even three years, to get growing tall enough to be effective. But if you can plant that strategically, to cover yourself, conceal yourself on the way in and out where you can walk past a food source without the deer seeing you, then you've just added access to whatever stand you're trying to get to in the evening or in the morning, depending on time of year. So that's a big thing. Uh, another big one to not overlook is creeks. Uh, that's what he was talking about in the very beginning of that article, dreaming of having underground tunnels to your stand. A creek, if it's not just full of water all the time, if it's a wet weather creek, and you can get down it with some rubber boots or even your regular hunting boots, that's basically getting underground to your stand. Especially if you can put that thing, maybe you have to put it 10 yards further than you wanted to, but if you can slip up that creek bank, peek over the top and there's nothing there, and then slip right into your stand, that's you're going to be almost bulletproof. On the off chance, you might catch one in the creek as you're walking through it, but that's going to be one of the best ways to actually get to and from stands. And a lot of properties like around here um, and in some of the hillier I don't know if that's a word or not, but some of the country with more hills and a little more top topography, then there's a lot more of those as well. Uh, a lot of creek systems running through those places, drainage and stuff like that, where you can use for access in the lower points. A big thing, also, like in the mornings, first break in daylight, you don't want to be walking over topping hills and stuff and skylighting yourself. Uh, skylighting yourself, they're going to see that silhouette that 
is unmistakably a human, and then they're gone. That's part of that vision thing he was talking about. So try to stay kind of down off the tops of hills, um, towards the bottom, or even the you know just the top third. As long as you're not skylining yourself, that's going to be a big advantage too. So remember that kind of stuff. Um, as far as brush piles and whatnot, like some of what we're going to do at the cabin when I go to clear some of that, I'm going to push some of that brush off to the side to not only kind of funnel some of the deer activity, but also give me some screening in and out. Um, that's another way to do it. If you're clearing the ground for a food plot, if you're just clearing ground, uh, you've got some invasives or whatever, and you're doing some clearing, you can use that stuff as screening, uh, especially if you don't have the, you know, like the Egyptian weed or any of that screening stuff, switchgrass, if you haven't planted it, can't plant it. That stuff's really good natural cover. Um, they'll get used to it being there and you can slip in right behind it just like you would in the switchgrass or anything like that. Another one that I've seen done before, and we talked a little bit about this with Forrest uh, from Drury Outdoors, is they'll do what they call a gestro in a cornfield. Uh, they'll plant corn behind the blind or whatever uh, right up to the back side of it and then have their food plot out in front. But th what they'll do is they'll space out a couple rows in the middle. They'll just not plant them. And then it gives them access to walk right up to the back of their stand through that standing corn and they're not brushing on any of the leaves or anything, so they're not leaving any more scent than they have to. They're not making any more noise than they have to coming in. They keep that thing cleaned off and slip right up into the back of the stand. And that's actually something I'm going to do at the cabin, hopefully next spring, uh, after I get all this stuff cleared out this year and get some fall stuff put in. Next year I'm going to do some grains as well, and I'm going to try to plant a gastro into the back of one of my stands with some corn. So I really like that idea if you have the ability to access to plant that kind of stuff. That's something to not be overlooked. You can do the same thing with Milo. Uh, sorghum for those of you who don't call it Milo. Um, but those are just some things to think about when it comes to entry and exit, uh, your access to the stands. Like I said, a lot of guys do overlook it. It's really important to consistently kill them bucks because if you scare them before you ever get there, uh, you don't have a chance. I, I've said a few different times, you, you may not kill that buck today, but you can definitely keep yourself from killing him the next time today. If that, hopefully that makes sense. Um, you can hurt yourself in the future and, and not even know it if you're not paying attention to some of these things or all of these things. And that's the other thing. It sounds like a lot of work and a lot of things to keep track of. And that's because it is. Um, killing big bucks consistently, mature deer, is not an easy thing to do. Otherwise, everybody, everybody would be doing it. Even if you've got a great property with good genetics and... You know, it's producing big bucks pretty regular. It's still it's still tough if you're not paying attention to these things, if you're not watching your entry and exits, um, being smart about your wind in the stand and your movement and all that, uh, not overhunting any one particular spot. Everything that goes into it, it is a lot, but that's what it takes to be consistent in killing mature bucks. Like he said in the article, like you hear all the time, they don't get that big by being dumb. Uh, sometimes it is just dumb luck that they haven't been shot but those bucks generally get killed pretty quick once they reach a certain size and people hear about them. So if you're going to be consistent about it, it is a lot of work that puts that gets put into it, and it's not just during the season either. What he's talking about, what we're talking about this right now for, is because this is work you got to be putting in right now. Um, and even earlier in the summer, doing your camera work, figuring out where they're coming from and where they're going to, that can be big as well. Not just looking at a map or walking in there and setting your stand and saying, okay, this is where I can come in and go out. If you're getting pretty good intel on your camera, you got a pretty good idea where they're feeding in the afternoons, where they're bedding, coming 
which direction they're coming from and going to after they feed. Then you got a pretty good idea of where they're bedding at, so you can take that in consideration as well. So camera work on the preseason scouting, all the late season scouting you did last year, take that into account, especially for the later season. If you're not just talking about hunting the early season with your cameras and stuff, um, and then, of course, you can run them throughout the year and figure that out as well. But that late season scouting you did last year, hopefully, will be invaluable. Even if it was just shed hunting and you could still kind of see some trails or figure out some activity, that stuff's really going to come into play later in the year. Like I said, the rut's kind of a wild card, but that's the time you got to be out there anyway. So anything can happen during that time of year. We're just talking about opening up that window of being able to kill a mature buck to October and December as well and not just November. So... Those are some things to keep in mind, and hopefully that helps some of you guys uh, had some questions, may have some questions about entry and access. And if you got more questions about it, just send us an email, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Our Instagram's at Ridge Hunter Outdoors, same way with Facebook. RidgeHunterOutdoors.com is the website. You can go there and send us a message. And that's also a good way to support the podcast. So hopefully we're providing some level of entertainment at times and uh some good information for you guys it's helping you become better hunters i know i've gotten better just from doing the podcast we haven't even been doing it a year yet but i've learned so much from the guys we've had on from the articles we've been reading and some of us stuff you already know it's just good to be reminded of it or stuff you hadn't kind of been thinking about enough and reprioritizing certain things and stuff like that so it's been super helpful for me hopefully it's been the same way for you guys i know it has been for the rest of the guys on the team too so if it, if it is providing you some benefit and you want to support what we're doing uh, and you want to see it keep getting better, which is what we're always shooting for, like I've talked about before, we're going to try to get back to doing video sometime in the near future and do some more stuff on YouTube. Um, go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. We've got apparel there, some cool shirts. We're going to have some more designs coming up. Um, hopefully sometime during the season, at least. Uh, we've also got of course, our Ridge Hunter scents, the buck tarsal spray, the doe tarsal spray. We've got the boot spray and the calming scent. They're all 100% natural. No preservatives, no additives, no anything like that. So it's not kind of the run-of-the-mill manufacturer stuff that you get on the Walmart shelf. Um, and, you know, you don't have to use scent to kill a big buck. There's nothing that says you do. Obviously, a lot of guys kill big bucks every year without using it. There's some guys who just are absolutely against it and will never use it. In my mind, though... I'm trying to give myself every advantage I can because those deer are out there every day and they're a lot better about surviving in the woods. Um, they've got a lot more advantages than I do out there. I'll put it that way. So I'm going to try to give myself that extra advantage and use some scent where it's, you know, where it's going to be beneficial and use that stuff to my advantage. So if you want to support in that way, you can go check that stuff out. We'll have, we've got the buck and doe tarsal spray in stock right now. The other stuff will be in stock in October, somewhere around the first week of the season. So I know we got some guys waiting on that, waiting on some of the calming sprays. So that'll be back in stock once the season rolls around. Um, what else we got? We got the food, a little bit of food plot seed on there. Um, we have our clover and chicory blend. So that'll be good for next spring. Um, and then our big buck contest as well. Um, I don't want to forget about that while I'm on the website. You can go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com slash Big Buck Contest, or you can just go to Ridge Hunter Outdoors, and then there's a 
menu option at the top of the page, Big Buck Contest. Click on that. It's just 20 bucks to enter this year, so where it was 50 last year, it was a little bit bigger prize. Um, it was Raven Crossbow last year. This year we're doing a Benjamin Armada PCP 22 caliber air rifle. It shoots like 1,100 feet a second. I was messing with it the other day, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, if you're going to use it for just plinking around, just shooting um, – It'd be good for like training long range shooting if you're into that kind of stuff or if you're just hunting with your rifle. It's a really cool uh, platform that's going to be similar to a lot of your bolt action rifles that you hunt with. So it's a lot cheaper way to practice, you know, uh, squeezing a shot off and all that. Obviously, it doesn't have the same recoil as a 300 Win Mag or a 243, 270, anything like that. But still to get that training in for a lot cheaper, um, that it's... It'd be an awesome way to do that and we're putting a thousand rounds of uh we're putting a thousand pellets with it as well so you unless you're just going to shoot an ungodly amount you may not even ever have to buy pellets for the thing so you can use it for that it'd also be a great little squirrel gun um, we all know how much we love squirrels around our stands during deer season making us think that there's deer all over the place um, raccoons if you're a turkey hunter you know how important it is to get rid of some of them possums whatever else it's a great varmint gun as well like i said 1100 feet per second with a 22 caliber pellet um it's it's it'll put some stuff down so we're gonna mess with it a little bit too and do some shooting with it just to mess around um so that's up that's the first prize it's either that or if you're not interested in that at all it's still 500 dollars cash for the first prize last year nate's buck won and I don't want to short him, but I think it was 178 and some change was the score on his. Second place was 172. Now, obviously, Nate won't be in it this year because he's been on the podcast so much and he's been helping us out. So don't think it would necessarily be right for him to be in on the big bunk contest in case he won it again. So make sure you go enter for that. Like I said, it's only 20 bucks. You can go to that uh slab ridge hunter outdoors slash big buck contest or you can just click on the menu option at the top of the page on the home page go there fill out the information you'll get a free t-shirt just for registering um and then make sure you hit view details and that'll allow you to pay the 20 bucks and then if you do do it online um you'll be refunded the tax like a dollar 40 or something like that i'll refund that tax for you so it'll just be the even 20 dollars because there's no tax on a registration fee for a big buck contest there are also, there's a second prize, which is going to be this, uh, same as last year, I believe. It may have been the third prize last year. Either way, going to be a free shoulder mount of the buck that you won that second place with. So you can put whatever value you want on that. Um, that's right around 500 bucks too. I think it's probably an average for taxidermy these days and maybe even higher than that. So second prize is almost as valuable as the first prize. And then there's a third prize as well which is going to be the Ridge Hunter prize pack. Um, it's valued around $85. So there's good value in that too. And then we do have the two favorite buck awards as well, which are going to be um, some Ridge Hunter stuff as well. So and like I said, you get a t-shirt just for registering. Go ahead and do that. Um, I want to keep that going. This is our second year for doing it. We had pretty good turnout last year. Um, we do only have 18 days left though. I'm only doing registration through the beginning of October. Um, we're not going to do any registering after the season starts this year. So make sure you do that before you run out of time. I don't want anybody to miss out on it that wants to do it or that was in it last year or that has a good chance to win it this year. Cause there's a pretty good chance you'll get at least one of the five, uh, prizes. Like I said, the two favorite buck awards will vote on those. So, you know, there's different things we're going to look for in that, but the whole team at Ridge Hunter will vote on the two favorite bucks. So even if you don't win 
by score on first, second, or third place, you still have a chance just by entering a buck in there to win one of the other prizes. So go check that out. Um, on to our two sponsors. Otherwise, to support us, uh, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, you guys, if you've listened to the podcast or if you saw us up at one of the shows, you know we're partnered with them now. They specialize in the best nutrition for a whitetail deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of food plot seed, plant foods, minerals. Uh, they started in 2015, but John O'Brien, the main guy there, he's been in the seed interest industry since 1991. Um, now they've got over 14 different blends to choose from. So whether you're wanting the fall or the spring blends, perennials, annuals, blends of perennials and annuals, um, you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They've got uh, beans and corn as well, liquid fertilizer, switchgrass, soil test kits, pretty much anything for food plots, they've got it. And they're not just about selling their stuff. Uh, John's a great resource. He'll answer any questions you have about what would be the best for your specific property. That way you can achieve the best results. So he's going to give you ideas on based on your soil type, um, location in the country, you know, what the weather is traditionally like, where you're at. He'll give you an idea of what's going to be best for you, um, even just down to the food plot location, how much shade the food plot gets, uh, how much water, how much moisture is in the ground there typically. He'll take all that kind of stuff into consideration and then give you an idea of what's going to work best. Like I said, uh, he doesn't believe in that cookie-cutter approach similar to us, so he'll take your situation individually. He's not going to tell somebody in Iowa in a certain type of soil to plant the same thing he would somebody in Georgia with a totally different type of soil. Um, unless it's something that's just going to work great in both particular situations, it's probably going to be a different recommendation. That's just how he does things. So they're not about a fancy label or package. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. We've used their stuff on our properties now. We've used it on client properties. Everything that we've planted so far has been as good as advertised. Um, we're going to keep using their stuff, obviously, and that's why we partnered with them on the podcast. So you can check them out at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code RHO Podcast. That's all lowercase, no spaces, and you'll get 5% off your order. So it'll help a little bit with shipping, uh, which is kind of expensive on that kind of stuff right now. You can also stop by the store. We've got some of their stuff in stock, or you can order anything from their catalog, and we can get it in, and that'll save you money on shipping as well. Um, and then I'll give you the 5% off, too, if you mention that you heard about it on the podcast. Same goes for our next sponsor, Rack's Big Game Supplements. They're a veteran-owned company out of northeast Nebraska. Um, they're just regular deer hunters who, at the time when they developed their products, they were looking to get more out of the market, um, the mineral and feed market, than what was existing already. Um, it took years of research, but they developed their Rack's products um, and came up with one of the best mixes available that will help improve herds' overall health while not feeding non-target species. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. So where you guys can legally use this stuff, um, obviously if you're here in Illinois, you can't, but um, Missouri, if you're not in one of their CWD counties, uh, I believe it's all good in Kentucky, Iowa, that kind of stuff. Check your local regulations, but if you can use it, this is the stuff to use. Don't go buy the stuff off the Walmart shelf that's uh, junk, half junk. Go get this stuff. Uh, support a small veteran-owned company. And support us as well with the discount code RHO22. That's capital RHO22. Use that at checkout, and you'll get 5% off from them as well. Um, their website is raxmineral.com, R-A-K-S-mineral.com. You can also stop by the shop and see what we have in stock. We do have a little bit of their stuff as well. And then, again, we can order anything in their catalog and save you some shipping on that because uh, I think their small bag's 18 pounds. The blocks are like 33 pounds. They've got the bigger bag that's 
40 or 40 plus pounds. So that's going to get really pricey on shipping. So if you want to save some money on that, again, use that discount code RHO22 to get 5% off. That'll help with that. Or you can come in the shop and let us know what you want and we'll get it ordered for you and take care of you that way. So that's pretty much all I got for today. Again, like I said, remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where you can keep up with most of the stuff we got going on. Um, go to the YouTube channel at Rich Hunter Outdoors. Subscribe to that so you can see all the videos we got coming out. We're going to do some this season. It won't be anything like a traditional hunting show, but we'll probably do some updates on everything, how things are going. We'll do some property updates as well. Going to still try to do some videos with Nate before the season rolls around on his properties. Um, going to do the one on the cabin, all the improvements we're going to do there here in the next week or so. And any other content we have coming up, video content we have, you can get it there. And if you subscribe, hit the notification bell, you'll be alerted as soon as that stuff comes up. So you can also go to Spotify and follow us on there so you know when the new episodes of the podcast come out. If you listen to us on Spotify, um, if you're on Apple Podcast, even if you're not, go there, leave us a review, five stars, no stars, one star, whatever's the lowest. Uh, if it's bad, tell us it's bad. If it's good, tell us it's good. That's what I tell everybody when I tell them to check us out. Um, if it's no good, tell us tell us it's no good. I don't even care if you give us a reason. It'd be helpful if you do. Uh, we'll try to make it better for you. But those are ways you can support as well. So go do that if you like what we're doing here. And then, again, if you ever have any questions, feel free to shoot us a message on either Instagram or Facebook or through our email on the website. Other than that, uh, thanks for checking it out, guys, and we'll catch you again next Monday.